When it comes to commercial snow removal, look to Tovar Snow Professionals. With the largest snow and ice management fleet in the Midwest, Tovar delivers top-notch commercial sidewalk and parking lot clearing services, even in winter's worst weather conditions. With their 24-hour live office staff, certified meteorologists, and personal service, they are leaders in professional snow removal. To get a free estimate for snow removal on your site, go to baseball.tovarsnow.com or call 844-GO-TOVAR. That number again is 844-GO-TOVAR. Tovar Snow Professionals, Chicago's snowplowing leader. Tovar is an equal opportunity employer. We're Cubs fans helping Cubs fans at Stewart's Cubs Cave Parties. Everybody's in for giving back to those in need. We're going to Club 400. Club 400, the podcast is back. You could find us on Facebook. You could find us on Instagram. You could find us at our website, www.club400cubs.com. Special shout out to my guy, Kurt, Instagram. He's running the Instagram page, Kurt Larson, my no teammate kidding. from camp. And he's, boy. he's making us look really good. I have We were going to have him in studio one of these days. He uh, The, club, the club 400 uh podcast instagram or the club for 100 club for 100 one yeah wow okay. yeah so okay. as always we got johnny here super producer and william william what's up we are back and better than ever so are we gonna say that every single time yeah. we're back we, like, we, back. we, we never back. left but the bottom line <laughs> is this guys we are not doing too good at putting an episode out per week and You're i think right. we're giving up on however, that idea oh no, we're not giving up however yeah. let's just give a shout out to all the listeners our last episode, we doubled our largest output that we'd ever had. Woo! We barely hit 300 listeners as our Everybody high. loves Gary Pressy. 675 listeners wow. as of recording tonight. And we, ha- and we have an unbelievable guest tonight. Yeah. ESPN 1000, ESPN Chicago. The number one guy that covers the Cubs, in my opinion, Jesse Rogers, mm-hmm. is going to be with the us beat. tonight. Yeah, he Jesse covers the beat. the beat. There's no one that does any better than him. He's became like part of the team for me. Like the guy that I go to every single day to listen he to him on Cap and Company. Yeah. And when he's on, I listen. And yeah. I'm, we're happy to have him on today. He's been out here how many times? He's been out here twice. Times? Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Yep. And he, uh, we actually, on one of our events, we incorporated his book because he's also a, wrote a book. I believe he, co- it was he co- co-authored it. Try Not to Suck. Try Not to Suck. Joe Madden, remember that guy? Yeah. Speaking Wait, of who? Joe, Joe Madden, we Joe got a Madden. new manager from our last show. Yeah. Well, we were talking about it. I think we were we like yeah, but we were he, saying he wasn't hired yet. Yeah. He yeah. wasn't hired. David yeah. Ross, new manager of the Chicago. Cubs. I think we said the one thing we settled on was it it should be a catcher, no matter who they yes, chose. Yep. It should be a catcher, and, and it they, was. they chose a catcher. David Ross, a 2016 World Series champion. Yeah. David Ross. It's not going to be boring, I don't think. No. No. And, and the Cubs, are ma- with, Cubs have made a whole lot of changes. Does not that just... mean more guys are going to be on Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> does that mean we're going to see the clip of him on Saturday Night Live multiple times? Oh, that yes. was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I think the worst one. Do you remember? Was it the, uh, oh, what was it? What's the awards? Where the Jimmy V Award? What is that big awards ceremony? The ESPN? The ESPYs. Yeah, the ESPYs. The yeah, when yeah. he showed up with Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah. How cringeworthy that was. Yeah. Zero people left. <laughs> Zero people. Murray was just like, oh, it's Grandpa Ross. And everyone's just like, chirp, 
<laughs> then he's still doing his stupid stuff. I'm like, you own it. Only Cubs fans get that, and only Cubs fans are probably left. Right. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. The jury's out. Is this going to work? Is this move going to work? Is it not going to work? Well, what? it kind of has to. Well, I mean, <laughs> you spend money. You hire somebody new. You fire well, somebody. Well, they save some money. It's got, okay. Put that way by That's true. bringing him in. But. That's true. Do you think he's a yes man? Do you think he's going to be no, the puppet? I don't think no. he's a yes no. man. I mean, Theo no. pretty much covered that in the press conference. Well, of course, he's going to say that. Well, but what do you do? You think they're bringing in someone like the Yankees? Joe Girardi. Brother? Joe Girardi. Would have Joe been Girardi doesn't guy, get probably, along with anybody. But, yeah. He doesn't get along with anybody, but he's he's a good manager. Yeah. You know, I found uh, as part of the process that they went through to hire them, one of the coolest things. I always like try to follow those kind of things and new leadership managers, coaches that are coming in. They had each guy that came in do a press conference and yeah. see how they would how they would play in front of. They brought in like media guys. We should ask Jesse if he was there for for that. Oh, I don't think that was open to the public. Maybe not, yeah. but I think they brought in some. Oh, they might have brought some Cubs employees in just there. to ask yeah. questions right, and stuff exactly. like that. So, well. yeah, it's I, I found that to be fascinating because you know what in today's game that is a big part of it. Like, how are you going to react when you're getting? Stupid ass questions coming your way, you know. Well, dealing with the media, especially in Chicago, I mean, it's not easy. You're, yeah, big. This is a big market team. Let's put, you know, and uh, how you respond is important because if you have a couple bad days in a row, right. just ask Lee Elio, 1984, right? Or ask your current. Or that wasn't 84. That was 83. Ask your current uh, Chicago Bears coach. You know, he, he was oh, at yeah. the top of the world as a media guy last year, and this year. People are like, mm, maybe it's time to move on. Which H- how is fast they fall. You know? <laughs> a little overreaction, but yeah. anywho. So anyways, if you have not listened to a lot of our shows, this is our podcast, but we also do a lot of events, and we also raise a lot of money for Chicago Cub fans and Chicago Cubs-related charities. We are pushing $400,000 since 2014. It's impressive, dude. And we started off, and I've said it before, with my main guy, Nick Sheridan. And we've come a long way. And along the way, man, just so many great memories and people that we've helped out. And it's been an amazing journey. As most people know, the goal is $1 million. And it's just uh, it's been an amazing voyage. Our Christmas party is coming up in a couple weeks. Always look forward to that. We see a lot of the uh, regulars here. And for the last two years, we've done what we've called, and I just came up with it, Club 400 Christmas Surprise. And that's where we grant something, a a wish, uh, or help somebody out. And William, that was our first year, was two years ago. Um, We helped you out with your son back then, and you are the first recipient of the Club 400 Christmas Surprise. And now this year... Well, last year it was we just we we forgot it was Danny Rocket's new guitar, and we all know Danny Rocket, great friend of the show from San Ranto, got himself a breed love. It's a beauty. So, William, tell us about our Club Four Hundred Christmas surprise for two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, this one is is pretty cool and also really close to my heart. Um, there is a, a friend of mine, and actually a classmate of my son who passed away, um, Tegan, who a lot of people in the area here, especially the ones in the Huntley area, that's the school district she goes to, everyone knows Tegan. Tegan uh, was born with pediatric uh, cancer, 
brain cancer and really struggled the first several years of her life. Has a has a trach or had one, so she's got a little hole in her neck. Um, she is now getting to be really close to high school age um, and is starting to, to walk a little bit, um, starting to get some new equipment that's allowing her to do some, some different stuff than she's ever been able to do. Last year, she got a bike that's all souped up. It's actually pretty cool. Um, and anyway, I was talking to her mom, and she said, uh, I, I, do you know anybody that knows anything about wheelchairs? Um, because I want to get a wheelchair for Tegan, and she's always had the push wheelchairs, and she wanted one that was, you know, had the power chair. And um, my son was in a wheelchair as well, so that's why she asked if I knew of anybody. And I said, uh, tell me a little bit about it, and she did. And and I said, you know what? Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And I got together with you, a couple other people, and the ball just started rolling, and she's going to be getting her new wheelchair at the Christmas party. That's going to be awesome. Are we breaking news here? <laughs> Is that a- <laughs> No, I think everybody knows. I mean, we've, we've been on Facebook. Yeah. We've been, uh, we've been advertising the fact that we were trying to raise money Uh Dan St. Clair, very special thanks to him uh, to go out of his way as much as he has done. And let me tell you something. The truth of the matter is, and I always say this, Club 400 is a community of people. It can't be done with uh, the people that have joined this club. Uh, you know, the Bill Watts, the Noah Ramos, all those guys are, are, are artists that we've had that have done amazing things who are just as a part of it as anybody else. And when we do hit that 1 million mark, it'll be because of the, the community of all of us. It won't, you know, I mean, there's no way I could do this by myself. And it just amazes me, like, when a Dan St. Clair says, hey, I'll donate this signed Wilson Contreras painting. And now, uh, because we kind of had a tie, uh, he's paying another one. So we were able to double our, double our money on that auction. And because of Dan and... Um, I want to say thanks to all the people who bid, Rob Crandall and D.D. Franco um, for winning it. They also get two tickets to the Cubs season ticket holder day, and Dan threw in an extra piece as well. And, you know, the Club 400 Christmas party in a few weeks is going to be a little bit more touching, a little bit more exciting, and a little bit more special because that we are able to do this, and it wouldn't be possible without the Cub fans in this group and Wayne Mesmer and his wife Kathleen for coming out and uh, participating in our Christmas party. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. John, you're uh, loosely involved in this too. Um, when I first met Tegan, it was in the 23rd of 24-hour Radiothon at the radio I station. I remember here. that. Did she show up? She showed up, it? and she wheeled up. Her mom was pushing her, yeah. and she handed me a check for the station and said, can I give you a hug? And I'm like, yeah. And I go, I asked her what her favorite music was and I'm kicking myself because I can't remember. It's one of these kid sure. pop things. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Michael, put this song on. And, and uh, he put the song on. She gives me this hug. I actually have a picture of it. I'll post. And uh, that was the first time I met her. And then after that, she was kind of my girlfriend. And <laughs> I got her Christmas presents every year and stuff like that. So, oh, that's so she's sweet, adorable. Man. I've only met her one time, and it was uh, it was a benefit I think uh, that we that we were doing. I think it was for your for, what was it for you were actually trying to raise money um, for supplies, right? 
Yeah. Yes. Ba- back in oh the yeah. Day. Yeah. At, yeah. Uh, that, at our the sandwich place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and William's old hangout. We used to tear it up there. Now we haven't been in there in two years. But right. The, the but there's still changed. Club 400 stickers in there. So. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're everywhere. What Bub Subs or what? No. It was a no. gambling place um, on Route 47. I cannot believe it. Lucky Birdies. Lucky Birdies. Lucky Birdies. Lucky they Birdies moved. and Huntley. Yeah. Oh, they they, yeah, they, they had moved. a great staff. No, they there. have five places. Oh, they have five yeah. now? Yeah, there's yeah. one in Woodstock. I oh, know. okay. Anyway. But yeah, so, and I met her there. That's the first yeah. time I met Carly, uh, too. And, uh, you know, right when I met Tegan, she's one of those, uh, you know, kids that'll just melt your heart right away with her smile. And, uh, man, you know, that's what Club 400 is all about, actually. And to be able to do something like this is, is going to be great. And, uh, it's going to be a special night. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to play Cubs Bingo, and we're going to interview. We're going to have and a podcast with Wayne Mesmer. Wayne Mesmer. So yeah. exciting. The Wayne. Yeah. The Wayne Mesmer. Do you think we can get him to sing? Well, we're going to have him sing the national anthem to kick the party off. That's Are for sure. Yeah. I just wanted to tee that up. <laughs> I knew that was happening. Oh, I am going to ask him for a special favor, which I already kind of keyed him in on. I would like for him to... Uh, to um, Write the words of the national anthem and sign it below. So that'd be that'd killing. Be cool. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. You think he knows them? Well, I, yeah, I'll print them. <laughs> another, <laughs> another softball. <laughs> it's softball I'm night here. Up. I'm up. So let's bring in our, our, our guest, man. Uh, I'm kind of geeked out about it because I, like, I am a big fan. Uh, let's bring on our guy, ESPN 1000, Jesse Rogers. Jesse, thanks for coming on tonight, man. Big fan of yours. I tell all the listeners, we, we talk about you on the show from time to time. If you are a Cubs fan and you're a diehard Cubs fan, and if you don't follow Jesse Rogers, well, there's something wrong with you. Appreciate you having me on. You do great work, and I'm, I'm proud to be with you. And you know what? Thanks for taking time out of your night in the offseason. You can find Jesse, uh, ESPN 1000. All, he, he's on He's on all day. This guy doesn't stop, man. He's like 24-7. And obviously, he writes for ESVNChicago.com. Jess, you know what? I was start. I want to do my homework about you, and I was trying to, like, I, I've no, I, I know about your past and how you got started, mm-hmm. but, I mean, tell us about you. Where did you grow up at? I grew up in Northbrook, um, uh, North Shore. I was a huge, huge Cubs fan growing up. And, um, you know, at some point in my life, I, I figured out, if I can't play, maybe I can still be around the game in communications, journalism, radio, something. You know, I was like a lot of people. I figured out early on, I'm not going to be a professional player, but I wanted to stay around the game, um, sports, baseball, whatever. And so that's kind of how, uh, you know, I, I decided to sort of major in this industry and, and it was able to break in in my home city. That's what I'm most proud of. I didn't have to go to like Des Moines, Iowa. Nothing against Des Moines, of course but I didn't have to leave my home city or state to get, to break into this business. But yeah, I grew up in the North shore as a huge Cub fan. So did you first start out writing or interviewing people or how did the sort of love for the whole communication part of that start? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I majored in communications in college and I just did everything I could. I mean, a minor in journalism. So I was obviously taking journalism classes too, but I did, radio stuff in college i did tv stuff i wrote for the for the college paper i mean that's the advice i give to people to this day and i know it's an ever-changing you know world with technology and stuff get i always tell people get your hand in as many different things as you can i never thought i'd be a writer to be honest 
but I did some writing in college. And then um, once I got out of college, uh, you know, sports radio was taking off. So I really, I really grew up in this business in sports radio, right? Radio was my first sort of love and, and I know it the most, but then I morphed into this reporter who has to do radio, TV, and writing. And um, I fell back in a lot of the skills I learned in college. So I really started in sports radio. I loved sports radio at the beginning in the 90s. Um, just that idea of arguing on the radio and stuff. It was, it was so much fun. And then, um, as you know, when you're in this business, you really do have to end up being able to do multiple things at once. And luckily, ESPN thought enough of me is to, to put me on TV and radio and and uh, give me the form to write as well. So, um, but it all started with just the love of sports and realizing I couldn't play it at a professional level. So, where did you go to college at, Jess? Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois University. Oh, I see. I did not know that. I'm a Husky go. too. Yeah, yeah we're well, a Husky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like it's not well known for journalism and communication stuff like Syracuse or Missouri is, or even Northwestern. But yeah, my my dad used to. Uh, be a big fish in a little pond. And that's what I was at Northern Illinois University. It allowed me uh, to do all these things that maybe, who knows if I would have gotten the chance at Missouri or Syracuse or one of these other schools. So fortuitous to, to be at that school at that time. Um, and I think I got the same experience I would have gotten at, at, at any anywhere else. So Northern was great for me. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was, it'd be great for the next person, but it was great for me and and uh, what I wanted to accomplish. I could totally attest to that. I went to Western Illinois as a leatherneck in broadcasting production. That's what I majored in. And they had maybe 20 people running the newscast as opposed to ISU, which has like 100. So maybe you'd have a shot at running the soundboard or producing once or twice a semester. At Western, you had to do something every single day. So you got really good at it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the same thing. Uh, Who knows if I get to do play by play for basketball and the PA announcer and um, all these other things, TV, the local TV. I mean, once the camera goes on, what's the difference if you're at Northwestern or Northern Illinois? Who cares? Same experience. So it turned out to be great for me, like I said. Mm -hmm. So somewhere uh, down in some old storage containers, some Northern Star uh, old newspapers with Jesse Rogers articles in it, huh? Not only that, but old TV clippings where I did the news. In fact, I have uh, at least one on my phone, and I definitely have some newspaper clippings as well uh, covering Northern Illinois. Jerry Pettibone was the coach, um, and I covered Jim Molinari, the the basketball coach. Jim and I uh, were very close at the time. We still stay in touch every so often. Um, So it was a great experience, like I said, you know. Uh, and the next thing that was a great experience was getting an internship. I interned at Fox 32 News. All right. Very, very early on when they when they started doing news locally, and Bruce Wolf was the was the sportscaster, and he allowed me, just like sort of college, he allowed me to just do all these things, get so much experience. As he joked at the time, because he was too lazy, he let me go out and do the interviews and all these things, and it gave me great hands-on experience. And then you. Uh... What was your first big break, Jess? Was it the score gig? Yeah, definitely. That was my first big break. I did a couple things in between. Worked for the Bulls radio network when Jordan was getting huge. That was great. Uh, But then the score goes on the air in the mid-90s, and uh, I just kind of worked up my my way up the ranks there. I like to tell the story that my first job at the score, 
could not have been more part-time. I worked every other Sunday morning only. <laughs> every other Sunday morning. That's that's as part-time as it gets. And then I slowly but surely worked up to a full-time job with the with the midday show. I worked with Mike Murphy, who I now work with again. And then finally with Mike North and Dan Jiggets for, you know, I don't know what it was, seven to eight years as uh, the midday producer. And and that show really took off and, and, and you know, put me put me and them on the map. Oh, I remember those days. Uh, Mike, Nor- Mike North's been here, obviously. He, lo- he yeah. loves you guys have a special relationship, obviously. And, uh, yep. man, that, that was uh, beginning, I, I would say, of uh, sports radio in Chicago, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew there was WGN had, a sh- uh, you know, the sports uh, show. Right. Kaplan was on there. But, I mean, to have a whole show dedicated to sports 24-7, and then they have uh, the monsters of the midway, Dan Jiggets and Mike North, and you were the producer back then, right? Were you the yeah, yeah? That's exactly right. Right, I was North and Jiggets producer for seven, eight years, hmm. and uh, they were great. I mean, it was just oh, so the- uh, so much fun. The, the stories I have, the experiences we had uh, for myself in my mid twenties, just unbelievable. I need to write a book. I really do because those days were just amazing. It was the wild west of sports radio. Well before the internet took off, I mean, uh, I used to have to call the sports information directors at colleges just to get statistics and then feed it to my hosts and stuff. It was, it was the early days of sports radio, but it was a blast. We we, we did so much. We went on the road with the Bulls um, and, the, and the Cubs and the White Sox. It was just great. Um, every experience I had then was awesome. I mean, you got to, you know, hang out with Michael Jordan, Walter Payton, mm-hmm. like Chicago classics that i mean are going to go down the history and you were right there in the middle of it yeah in fact uh walter announced his his disease on on the score as i was producing you watch the tv clips of the announcement i'm I'm standing behind him i think with my hand on his shoulder as he's announcing that awful awful uh disease that he had so yeah and then the being around the bulls in the, in the 90s was like being around the rolling stones it was unbelievable and the and the access, you know, Mike North and I had, you know, hanging out with Rodman, hanging out after the championships, um, broadcasting on the road during the playoffs. I mean, like I said, it was just a different era. You were you were allowed so much more access. We're not, you know, they've got security guards and all these things. Uh, like I like I said, it was the wild wild west back then of sports radio, and we took advantage of it. All right, you got to tell us a funny story about North. He's been on the show. He's a friend. Of Mike North? Yeah. I mean, I got a million of them. I got a million of them. Um, not all I can tell on, on on any public podcast or radio show or anything like that. But, I mean, the guy had, I mean, his cojones were huge. He would say anything and do anything. I mean, there's that famous time where um, he, he built up to it on the radio, um, but he said that he was going to, ask Pat Riley a crazy question in his press conference. And he asked listeners, what should he ask? And one of them was something as silly as um, the opening to the Flintstones. Do you remember this? (laughs) Why, why, if the car is going to tip over every time, why does Fred always order ribs? He was going to ask this to Pat Riley but thank God he didn't. I mean, he asked something just as silly. He asked Pat Riley live at a press conference with me standing next to him. He asked Pat Riley if God came down today and said you'd win a championship, 
would you shave your head? Because remember, Pat Riley had the famous grease back hair. He actually said that to Pat Riley. <laughs> and Pat Riley just looked at him as I slowly but surely walked or slid <laughs> next slid farther from Mike and neck and behind a column that was in the, in the room. I'm like behind there. And he actually asked that to Pat Riley. And he just said, Pat Riley says, that's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. Who do you work for? And Mike's like on national TV. Mike says the score in Chicago <laughs> and, and then gets it and then gets escorted out. And I'm like hiding in the corner. That's he actually asked Pat Riley that if God came down today and said, you'd win a championship, would you shave your head? And uh, that was Mike North. That's awesome. You know, Mike, yeah. uh, he, uh, after, after the score, he went over to uh, AM 560. That's where I work. And he he left before I uh, had got there. He refused to put a lid on his coffee when he was in studio. And our program director and our exec, our, our our manager was so adamant about covering your drinks, whether it was water, coffee, Kool Aid, who cares what you had. You had to put a lid. And every day he made sure that our our program director saw it, and he would fill it <laughs> to the absolute brim. Never once spilled a drop, but he knew it bothered them. Before Mike, most of the time, if you heard WGN or these other places, interviews were, were fairly tame. I mean, nothing against the late check topic, but it wasn't an adversarial interview when you went on with him. Mike challenged people, I mean, to, 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 to a degree that no one's ever seen in this town. And I think he changed what sports radio was about. Before that, it, wasn't, it was pretty tame. But I think he reminded us that sports is about debate. You know, yeah. it's about controversy. It's about debate. It's about your opinion versus mine. And he took that um, to the airwaves against uh, against people or with people that were in power in town. Mike McCaskey, um, the Bulls, players, owners, whatever. And so uh, it was just great to be around it around sports radio at that time, especially when the score was blowing up as it did. And he had a personality mm-hmm. I and mean, he, he, he had fun every single morning. You could tell that listening through the radio, you know, and it was like, I mean, I was a scorehead back in the day. I, I kind of ventured over with you guys now at ESP 1000 with Kaplan and stuff. But back in the day, I was monsters of midway and, uh, you know, yeah, Bors, Bors and Bernstein and everything. Oh, yeah. They put shock jock and sports and politics all in one yeah. bowl. And made yeah, it, he really and did. Made it, made yeah, it, made he it, really it. did. So then Jesse, uh, Mike North uh, leaves the score. And when, when did you leave the score? What year was that? 2009, I, wasn't it? Yeah, I actually left with him for for that uh, about the same time. I left about the same time. I, I had sort of, you know, this happens at many places, right? You sort of um, been there long enough and things run its course and um, you, you're looking for a change sometimes. Um, and after about 15 years, I was looking for a change. And Mike joined up in this venture that turned out to be a, a disaster. Which but a I, I actually of, followed that. What was the name of that again? Yeah. Webio. Webio. Chicago yeah. Sports Webio. Yeah. Webio. And it was supposed to be a little bit of ahead of its time, and it sort of was. It was going to be an online sports radio station where you'd have to tune in online. And, you know, nowadays you can tune into anything online. But this was 2008, 2009. And. You know, there wasn't a lot of stuff like that. You know, a, a, basically a radio station online that you could listen at any time and get any show at any time. You know, back in the day, they weren't they weren't recording and podcasting um, the score or ESPN 1000. But this was something that would be automatically podcast because it was online already. So anyway, um, it was funded by a local guy that turned out to be a crook. 
and it was a huge, huge thing. Uh, he ends up in jail. We end up on the Channel 5 News talking about it, and uh, we all end up out of jobs, to be honest. It was a short-lived experience, um, but it was actually kind of fun, too, because for a while he spent like crazy and paid us like crazy. And, um, you know, until the paychecks bounced, we had a good it was, you know, it was an it was an experience. It led you where to you are today. Yeah, and uh, and leaving there was and, and that failing turned out to be the best thing to happen to me. And then you went over to ESPN one thousand. What'd you start? You, is that when you grabbed the Blackhawks beat? Was right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, two thousand nine. Basically, as soon as as the Hawks were getting good, actually called over there. Um, because one of our Webio producers was out of work, was out of work just like I was, and I felt bad because he came over and I was actually recommending him to be a producer there. And they asked me, "Well, what are you going to do?" I said, "Well, I'm not sure, you know." And I had done uh, the pre and post game for the Black Box for the score back when they when they had it, and they said, "Well, the Hawks are getting good. We need someone to cover the Hawks." And I said, "Oh, well, that's interesting." And I started covering them. And that turned into a full-time gig at ESPN when I didn't really think that it would, but as you know, obviously they got really good. And um, I was one of the guys that knew hockey in town. And so I started covering them right before they won their championship. And that turned out to be a blessing. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, here you are hanging out with, you know, Michael Jordan, hanging out with Walter Payton. And then you move over to ESPN 1000. The next thing you know, the Blackhawks, you know, win the cup for the first time. Uh, I mean, from a, a, a little guy growing up in Northbrook, if I would have told you as a, a young boy that you're going to have all the experiences that you've had, you've had, we won't, we won't get it. We'll get in the world Cubs world series in a minute. What would you say as a little, you would have been like, sh- um, you've been shocked. No way. Yeah. yeah, no way. You couldn't, you couldn't script this thing out. Cause you just wouldn't, wouldn't even come up with some of these things. Right. You just wouldn't come up with it going to this, this web project that fails because of a Ponzi scheme and ending up with the Blackhawks as they win the cup. I, hockey, when I was a kid, I loved hockey. I, you know, Mike North used to joke with me when I got the Hawks gig, what are, you, what are you doing with hockey? Because we didn't do hockey in the mid nineties. Think about the mid nineties. We didn't do it in sports radio. They were dead. They were dead. And so um, the owners didn't 92, help. They won the cup in 92, but at, in the midnight by 96, they were dead. Nobody was watching them. Nobody cared. You couldn't watch them on home TV, but I was, I, I knew hockey cause I had played it. So I, uh, I just was so lucky that they needed somebody and there just aren't a lot of hockey people in town at the time, at least, but you're right. I could not have scripted what I did as a producer and all the avenues that open and then going to watch the Blackhawks win the cup. And that we haven't even gotten to the cups yet. Yeah, they I, used to make fun of people who called in and had hockey questions on, on the score. Back yeah, the day. they they used to. They yeah. used to. Turn, we used to turn them away. Right. Used to, we used to turn them away. But you know, I was I played hockey up and through my mid twenties and stuff, so I was still in the game. And you got to remember, if, you know, when you don't there's there when people don't know hockey, it's not just not knowing like the Blackhawks players. Like it's either you know the game or you don't. People that don't know the game don't know the rules. Right. So, so like, like there's, there were few people that just even knew the game. Forget it. I didn't know every Blackhawk player in and out back in 2005 or four or three, you know, when they stunk, but I knew the game. And so when they asked me to come on, obviously by then Taves and Kane are with the team and, and it was not hard to get up to speed. So, and I, and again, I did the pre and post game. 
during those bad years. That's when the, the team used to give me four season tickets. And I used to give them away to homeless people as I walked in the building because I could not give them away to my friends. Really? Wow. Holy yeah. cow. That is crazy. That's 02, 03, th- those years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll get into the Cubs a little bit, but comparison to, like, following a hockey team across the country compared to the Cubs. I mean, I know it's a shorter season, uh, but uh, how, I mean, it, how, what's the comparison? How would you rate that as far as, it's a whole different experience, obviously. Completely different. People ask me this all the time. It's probably the most asked question. Um, certainly when I made the transition, they'd ask me a lot, what was better to cover or what's better to cover? And it's just a it's an awkward question because it's the Cubs and there's no, you know, that's an iconic team. But in terms of just the experience, hockey was the best three years I've ever had. You have to understand summer's off, summer's off like right. a teacher. They, they, the off season in hockey is like a month. Everybody signs in July, take the month of August off. I used to coach my son in little league, uh, 82 games, not 162, um, the games are two hours and 15 minutes. I mean, I could go on and on and on for lifestyle. Nothing beats hockey. Yeah. Nothing. Now your paycheck is higher in other sports. Your profile is higher in other sports, but that's forget that for lifestyle. Nothing beats hockey. And baseball. About- baseball is exactly the opposite of everything I just said. <laughs> so imagine that. And well, the, the difference between the players, I mean, I, I mean, hockey players are kind of known as, you know, a little rough around the edges. Would you say that's true as far as they're, you know, they're off the, uh, you know, being off the uh, the rink? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, the way I look at it is a lot of them were grow up in like Western Canada and stuff. And a lot of them are on farms. It's a, They are different. They are different. The, the, it's thing about hockey compared to baseball to me isn't the players. It's that this one sport is just trends youth. And the other sport trends old. Um, hockey has young uh, media, y- young players, in, in, so including the players. Let's think about it. Not a lot of 40-year-olds in hockey. There are 40-year-olds in baseball, 38-year-olds, or 37-year-olds. You know, hockey just trends younger, faster, all that stuff. Baseball is older and slower. And actually, when I moved from hockey to baseball, I – it, I really had to get used to it again. And I had covered baseball with the score at times. I was a reporter there, but I had to get used to it again, how slow and how old for like, it, it just is. And it takes some getting used to, because those are some long days at the baseball field. But again, it's at Wrigley field, not in a cubicle in some office. So right. I'm not complaining. It's just different. You got to get used to it. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, cause, but you, you went to the, you, made the move to the Chicago Cubs in 2012, correct? Or is it- I think it was the, I think right around there. I think it was the, it was one year into Theo. So I think it was spring of 13 or 14. I think spring of 13. Is that, first- is that Quaddy? <laughs> was that Quaddy's first? No. No, 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 it was Twain. It was Swain. Okay. Swain. Yeah. I had Swain's Swain's last year. Okay. Rent to, and then rent to Rhea's only year. And then and then Madden. So it was one year of Swain, one year of Renteria, and then Madden. Okay, so how, how does that happen, dude? Does ESPN come up to you and say, hey, uh, Jesse, do you, how about you switch over to the Cubs? Or is that was it something that you kind of put in their ear that you wanted to do baseball? Or how did that transition uh, take place? 
Yeah, no, I, it's a good question. I absolutely went kicking and screaming, and that's how dumb I am because it was the best thing to ever happen to me. Um, ESPN was sort of cutting down on some of their hockey coverage, as you might imagine. Things are always changing at ESPN, and they eventually stopped covering hockey the same way that we were. You know, there's no local hockey reporter for ESPN. They asked me twice. They asked me basically the day Theo got hired, and I said, no, I love this job too much. A year later, uh, Hawks went into a lot. Uh, have a NHL went into a lockout. They asked me again, and and then threw in, we have no guarantees of how things are going to go once this lockout ends. Basically, we don't know if you're going to have a job, so you can go to the Cubs or take a chance. And I said, you know what? I'll go to the Cubs. This lockout could last forever, and it lasted a while. And that year, I actually transitioned. I did cover the Hawks in the playoffs when they won the Cup again, the second Cup after the lockout. And, but I was transi- transitioning to baseball as well. So they asked me once. I said no. They asked me a second time, and I, and I said yes. So I did go kicking and screaming, and it turned out to be the best thing I did. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, I mean, look, you've been with the Hawks for kind of the golden years, and obviously you come to the Cubs for the golden years, which I want to ask you about later. But, I mean, it's amazing. Jesse, you've seen it all. You've this done is it all. the good luck charm of Chicago I know. sports right here. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, yeah Sylvia and Watt will say that I, I got to move to the Bears now because they're yeah. so pathetic. Yeah. Jerry Reinsdorf, he's probably knocking on, knocking on your door to come over to the White Sox now. And the Bulls. <laughs> come on. Bulls? I don't know about the Bulls. They're, they're yeah, rough, White so. Sox might be next. The that, that, year, that first championship of the Blackhawks, that was probably the most fun I've ever had. I mean, it's just different than baseball. There's just not as much media, you know, and stuff. And that team was full of personalities. And we're talking Dustin Bufflin, Christopher Stieg, Sharp, Taves, Kane, uh, Troy Brower. I mean, that was a fun team to cover. That was unbelievable. And I, I have a – maybe I showed it to you. I have a minute and 51-second video on my phone during the Blackhawks parade. I'm up top on the double-decker bus. Um on the players bus. I'm, I'm like basically next to Brian Campbell and these guys, I'm interviewing Marion Hosa on the bus. The 151 video I have is the best thing I've ever done or have a memento of in sports. It was incredible. That first parade of the Blackhawks. So I got to say that year really rivals the 16th season. I really? mean, I know yeah. it's yeah. Cubs. I was a Cub fan and nothing beats the Cubs winning at all, but, I can't stress to you enough, the 2009-10 Blackhawks was a ton of fun. Oh, man. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine, especially with those guys and the cup going everywhere and just the, yeah. the parties that ensued. I mean, like you said, team of characters, you know? Amazing. Amazing. I mean, you've covered a lot a lot of guys. Uh, who, who's one you're like, I mean, we'll talk all, through all the guys that you've met in Chicago. Uh, who, who's one of your favorite, you know, a couple of your favorites as far as people? Yeah, you know, it's it's I get asked that a lot. It, it's 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 tough because there's the stars and then there's the non-stars, you know. And so, like with the stars, it's sort of a lower bar, you know. You know what I mean? Like they they get pulled in so many directions. The guys that are that are that stand out to to me, I will tell you. I'll start with the Cubs, working backwards. Um, I mean, Chris Bryant is a really nice guy. Is a, he is one of my favorite guys. Now, am I as close with him as I am with some other guys that maybe aren't stars? No. Like, I don't text Chris Bryan every other day. Um, but I, but I, I've known him since the day he was drafted. And I'll just tell you, among the stars, 
hockey or baseball, he is a really nice guy. He's a good dude, Chris Bryant. Ben Zobrist is one of my favorite people to be around. Absolutely. I will miss him. He just brings just some, just a friendly, just normal kind of attitude when, when he's with the Cubs. I mean, but I don't want to leave people out. You guys know Tommy Lestello and I are very close. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but that, that's a different sort of scenario. You know, like I'm friends with Tommy Lestella. I'm friendly with Chris Bryant. You know, there's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's right. different. And on the Hawks, I was friends with Dustin Bufflin. Okay. And, you know, friendly with, uh, I mean, Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook are two of my favorite guys. But we had a love-hate thing because I'm a reporter. So it's not always going to be all love. But we would go back and forth, back and forth. I love those guys. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I could go on and on. Patrick Sharp is a great guy. Uh, that whole 0-9-0-10 was great. But I think I was closest with Dustin Buff. I love that guy, Dustin Bufflin. Yeah, Big awesome. Buff. Yep. It's a Minnesota guy. So, Jess, obviously you're covering these guys, and you're building relationships with these players. How hard is it to maintain, you know, your job, you know, when, when, you, have, when you have to be non-biased and, you know, and, and tell it like it is, how hard is it and, uh, to, be, to be friends with guys but then have to criticize them or not necessarily criticize them, but maybe call right, them right, out right. or Yeah, right, call them out. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean – You'll be surprised, at least for me. It's only a little bit hard. It's not that hard. They're getting paid millions. They know I have a job to do. I don't go personal on them. Look, this last year, I was critical of Joe Madden. I absolutely was. I'm not going to hide from that. I was on the radio and when I wrote, but I was professional about it. I was professional. And so I don't think Joe holds a grudge. And and I think I still think he's a great manager. It doesn't take away from anything he did or what he's going to do. I was a little bit more critical this year than in the past. So uh, if I if I have to be critical, I have to be. Now I did joke with Tommy when he left the Cubs. Like it is easier to be friends and exchange you know, like information and stuff and just whatever about our lives when I'm not covering you every day. They're, they're, I mean that, that that's a fact. There's no doubt. It's just easier to have a friendship. Um, but I certainly um, check that stuff at the door if i have to write about you or or talk about you on the radio and joe madden's a great example of that so but that's just me other people might be harder for i I just don't find it that hard their lives are great no matter what i say you know and they're playing a sport and 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 trust me they go through ups and downs as well but um ultimately their life should not matter based on what i say or do and they probably expect some criticism and whatnot if they're you know in a slump or make a horrendous play or whatever it would be that, you know, you'd have, you to know, be Steve, honest about. I, I met, you, you mentioned those bulls teams that I was you know covering back in the nineties. You know, one person I'm still close with is Steve Kerr to this day. Mm. We text, we text each other a lot, mostly about baseball. He's a diehard Dodgers fan and he's, his heart's been broken every year lately, <laughs> you know? So, he, uh, so he told me something once he said, he said, look, I mean, he said what you would, we would all think. He goes, every year before the season, I tell my players, we live a great life. Don't let media or fans get to you. Just be professional. That's the trade-off for living a great life. And I hope every management team tells that to its players. Um, because I'll tell you what, you don't think I get criticism? I, I, but I live a great life or I have a great job. 
same like the play, it's you know not as good as the players. And so people ask me about Twitter and stuff. I don't block anybody. I don't mute anybody. I'm different though. Some people do. None of that bothers me. I have a great job, and the only person I have to impress are my bosses. As long as my bosses are happy, you can criticize me all you want. Amen. So that, anyway, that 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 I think is the attitude of any anybody in this business should take, player or media wise. So how much on that point? How much do you think criticism, uh, especially by fans, but fans and media? do you think that actually affects players or are, are most players able to block that out like they say they can no i think every player is different I, i've come across all of them some take it to heart some ignore it i think i think you the sort of the better you are the more you you learn to ignore it and you also know the better you are the more confident you are right and you know that there's trolls out there and you can put it aside i guess the mar the more marginal player might take it to heart because he has some doubts with himself, especially baseball. Baseball is a killer sport that will press you. And if you, if you are, if you are in a slump and then you go online and read all these terrible things about you, I think that could get to you. I think the stars are the stars for a reason because they rise above all that. They are so confident in their abilities. Uh, but, I, but I'll tell you, everyone's different stars, you know, read, read that stuff and it can get to them and marginal players and triple a play, you know, I think it just depends. Just like everyone's different in, in regular life, I think players are all different. Some take it to heart. Some use it as motivation. It it, it, it gets them going. Others, it, it can depress them. So it just depends on who you are and how you grew up and what, what, what you're all about. So uh, as far as covering the Cubs, I mean, it doesn't seem, Jesse, like you get any time off. I mean, you basically you go, uh, you know, the whole summer, then you go into the playoffs, and I know you were covering uh, Cardinals, Brewers. I think you covered Cardinals, Brewers, right. and then uh, now it's the off season, and that's you know that's now extended into January. Uh, is there? Do you ever get any time off nowadays? Well, it's not the time you'd like, because like in any job, you want to turn your brain off, and you know, we, we my colleagues and I joke. I mean, we we kind of knew Madden was going to be gone. I mean, the years where you change managers. Mm -hmm you get no time off because all of a sudden now you got to be chasing that story. Usually um, you can sort of, if the Cubs are out of the playoffs, I can take the playoffs off because nothing happens during the playoffs unless you change managers. So to be honest, the time to take off is right away in October as the playoffs are going on because teams can't make trades. There's no free agency. And then you're right. Once November hits, it starts up again. Um, and the thing is you just have to take your time off. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a vacation right after the general managers meetings I'm going to Mexico. If if the Cubs sign Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon, I don't care. I mean, at some point, you just you can't cover everything every minute. So yes, I'll take I'll take a week off in November. I'll take some time off in December. But unless you're just like on a beach somewhere, even when you're off, you're you're it, it's on your brain, you know, because they make might they might make news and you've gotta you know maybe get back to work. So um, I found myself leaving the country as much as I can because they can't call me there. You know what I mean? They can't, they, I, they can't get a hold of me if I don't have my laptop with me. So you take the time off when you can, but it usually comes in October, unless of course your team is playing in October, which the Cubs did every year until this one. Yeah. So much uh, of your profession is, is breaking, you know, breaking news, being first to report. I mean, you have relationships with players. You have uh, relationships with agents. You have, uh, relationships with front office people, all within the organization. 
Um, as far as breaking news, does he, you ever be like, hey, Theo, you owe me one, you know? H- how's that work? Uh, I mean, you're so res- I know you're really well-respected in the Cubs community, and uh, I'm always like, hey, Jesse, you know, Jesse's on top of everything. He should be breaking everything. But how, how does that kind of work? I mean, how do like John Heyman, he might break something and he's not even he's not even in the general area. I'm like, you should let Jesse break it. You know, this is Jesse's town, you know? <laughs> well, he's not going to. I mean, he's got his own thing. Uh, I mean, it, it's I again, I view it a little different. I actually the, the breaking news thing is is I view it as just kind of like a fun challenge. I don't I don't. I mean, look, someone breaks it five seconds later, you can confirm and you're on to the next thing. You know, it's just kind of a fun game you play. Like if you can get if it falls in your lap, if you can get it, you go with it. If if someone else gets it, OK, so be it. I mean, it, it's really kind of silly in some ways, because, again, if I will say this. When Ken Rosenthal broke the Craig Kimbrell news, I was completely in the dark. It's, we all like that's rare. Like we couldn't even confirm it right away. Most of the time you can confirm things right away. So what's the difference? You know, but I, I it's kind of just a fun challenge. That's the way I view it. So the point is this. You have to work the beat. You can't most of the time. It's not going to fall in your lap. You have to daily make calls. Um, and yes, there are times where I'll say, Theo, you owe me one. And he will. He, he's a he's an honest shooter. He's a straight shooter. He will follow through on that at times. So um, it's about working the beat. Um, you call, you call agents, you call players or text, whatever, um, call front office people, you call assistants to the assistants, to the assistants, um, you call, uh, assistance to the agents. You just do what you can to get the information. Then you get it confirmed by a second source and, you know, you go with it, but, um, it's not the end all be all. Um, it is what it is, you know, um, I, I don't make the biggest deal out of it. I went on the air on Tuesday the Tuesday before they announced David Ross, which was a Thursday, Waddle and Sylvia at 4.30 p.m. And I said, don't be surprised if this Thursday David Ross is hired as the manager. That was the first time anybody ever said definitive statement about who was going to be. Remember, everyone was talking about no. Joe Espada. I saw that. So, I saw that, Jesse, and I was like, that yeah. means he's going to be the next manager. Yeah, and then Kaplan the went manager, the next but, morning, right, and reported it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, it was, you know, I, I said it on the radio because I happened to be on the radio at that moment. It's just, it, I don't know. It's just it, when you when you have the means and the capability and you get the story, it's fine. But it's I, my point is this. I am not lying awake at night, biting my fingernails about whether I'm going to break a story or not. Because think about it. Uh, they're going to announce it. Anything, I, anybody, anything, anybody breaks, they're going to announce it within an hour or a day or whatever. It's, yeah, so it's not the biggest deal. So some things end up getting announced by the team. Some things get leaked ahead of time. It, I almost, like I said, view it as a challenge. So right. to me, to me, the more interesting thing is to dive into a story. Right. Why did they, why did they choose David Ross over Joe Espada or anyone else? Why, why is Kyle Schwarber losing weight? And getting into this great shape, you know, that's the that's the more interesting stuff than just breaking a story. I think any any reporter would tell you that. Yeah, and you and you're you're traveling with the team all season long, and you're also traveling with you know competitors from different outlets who I know, like you know, you're you're friends with. You guys get together and like, hey, what are you? You guys share kind of like what you're writing, so you you don't copy each other, or do you just kind of do your own thing? I mean, when you're out to dinner at after the ball game, say, oh, I'm gonna write. Is there any uh, talk like that as far as what angle you're going to cover, or is you kind of just do your own thing and not worry about what they're doing? 
No, yeah, we do our own thing. I yeah. mean, it it could possibly pop up in conversation, but not really. I mean, uh, we do our own thing. Um, yeah, like I said, it, it maybe pops up once in a while. Um, but yeah, no, not really. I mean, we are competitors, but I, again, I view things a little different. I'm not trying to beat anybody. I'm just doing my job. You know, if, if you do your job and don't worry about anybody else, um, I think you, 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 that's a good thing to, 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 if you worry about everyone else, you're really probably going to take away from your job, your own job. You and know what I mean? So you're the hardest. You know, I mean, you, I, in my opinion, you're definitely the hardest worker out there. You're constantly, yeah. you're constantly on the radio. You're constantly write, writing articles. You're, you're, you're you know, right. you're, you're, you're on TV, well, you know, part of it is the responsibilities. Who, what other outlet has radio, TV and internet component? The Tribune is just the Tribune. The athletic is just the athletic. The score is just radio. I'm doing radio tv and internet so that's why it probably seems like i'm always working um it seems that way to my wife who's making dinner right now <laughs> for me uh, but uh you know I, I i try to take off but espn is good to me you know i'm compensated well and i i, I want to do a good job for them and that comes through in all the work that you do i think it's it's really obvious that your big thing isn't to break the story or, you know breaking news and all that kind of thing it's more what is the story what's the meat behind it that's I think why you're so appreciated and liked in the well, Chicago thank you. area. Come, uh, you're thank com- you. you're completely independent of the Cubs, but to me, as being as big as the Cub fan as I am, I mean, you're you're a part of the whole, you know, the Cubs the tra- the travel from spring training all the way yeah. to the end of the season. You're like it's like what's Jesse got to say today? What's what's what news does he have? You know. Right, so I, right. as a fan, uh, I appreciate it, and it's like, man, one of my biggest fears is, you know, you you, you move to the White Sox or somebody else, you know. But uh, no, I won't move to the White Sox. But I will tell you, um, you know, in 2020, uh, there, I, I don't know if the Cubs are going to be a World Series contender, and ESPN and I are already talking about expanding a little bit. Um, I might I might visit more spring training sites when I'm out there. I might do a little more non-Cub stuff. Um, like next week at the GM meetings. Although, trust me, the Cubs are big. David Ross, first year. But, um, yeah, no, I appreciate everything that you say. It's a passion. I love it. Um, it's fun. Um, it's a lot of performance, but what are you going to do? I mean, you, you know, you got to do the job the right way, and it takes a lot of time to do that. Jesse, I, don't have, I know you're uh, going to eat dinner here, but I do want to ask you a few more questions. As far as uh, you wrote that book, Joe Madden, Try Not to Suck, which we gave out at one of our parties. Mm-hmm. Um, great book. Um, I mean, I remember seeing you at the Kerry Wood event. I, it was 2016. And I said, Jess, are you keeping the diary? Because I know, like, you know, you're right. You're going to be able to write a book. And you went, you know, obviously, Kaplan came out with this. But every, you know, there's a lot of guys that came out with books. Uh, how was that experience uh, writing? Because that was your first, first book that you co-authored, correct? Yeah, it was. It was. And it, it was difficult, like everyone says. But uh, I was able to do it mostly because of spring training. In 17, at the beginning of spring training, um, or during spring training, I was able to interview every single person I needed to. I didn't have to go on the road. I didn't have to call them. I mean, everyone was there that I needed, Joe Madden and Theo Epstein. I only had to write the Cubs portion of Joe Madden's life. So 17 spring training was very important for that. I was able to interview everyone. The difficult part was writing that book during the 17th season. That's tough to do. You have your day job, and then I had to write the book. Um, so, I mean, I used every moment of my deadline. I mean, I, I think my 
the end of the all-star break was my deadline to turn in my stuff. And I was writing during the all-star break because there were no games, obviously. And I, so I used every second of it. Um, but it was a great experience. And I learned so much about Joe and, you know, some of the stuff Theo and Jed said, I mean, uh, they're so articulate about, about what Joe did to get the team where it needed to go. And I love Joe's, um, uh, I love what Theo said about what Joe's mo- best move was as, as manager. Everybody looks at his worst move, what he did in game six or whatever. But for people forget what he did in 15, the things he did to bring this team together and telling Starling Castro, he had to move over to second base and instilling Addison Russell, who was a good player at that time. Um, you know, the things he did in 15 and 16 embraced the target. Um, Joe Madden was a brilliant manager for the Cubs in 15, 16 and 17. Things started to trend the wrong way in 18 and 19, but, I wrote about 15 and 16, basically, and uh, it was a pleasure to write and learn about. And like we said earlier, you covered the Cubs. I mean, one of the most storied franchises in baseball in a five-year stretch. It was unbelievable, and you were there for every second of it. It's just, it's, it's amazing to me. And uh, like I said, what, what a ride you've been on. Yeah. So just for all, all the guys like me who, who sit in my office in the morning <laughs> and, and listen to Kaplan and, and you come on the radio – uh, we we kind of feel like you know we're you know, we're family, even though you're just on the radio waves. But we sure. kind of feel like we get to know you. But tell me what like outside of baseball, outside of sports, what what are your hobbies? Like, okay, you're going to Mexico, but are you catching up mm-hmm. on any TV shows or uh, what, what? What do you like besides sports, Jess? Yeah, I mean, look, I have three kids, so I catch up, uh, you know, catch up with them in the off season more than anything. Um, um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, uh, I, I, I love going to sporting events that aren't baseball. I mean, I, I, my son and I, we had Northwestern basketball tickets a couple years ago. Um, we, we sort of focus on something different every off season. My son and I, at least I have two daughters, one's into cheerleading, one's an athlete. She's playing basketball and softball. So I guess, I guess my hobby is my kids in the off season. Uh, I, don't have, I, I don't, yeah, I don't have to be at a ball game. So I'm, I'm, I'm at their schools a lot. How old, how old are they? Now 17, 15, and 11. Wow. 17, 15, 11. So, you got your hands full. <laughs> yeah, my son plays varsity. He's going to be playing varsity baseball. So, um, yeah, but, I, you know, I'll watch the normal TV shows. But I, I really love I, – I do like uh, football. I love the Bears. I always have. So I, I, I wish they were better this year. But that's my relaxation, you know, watching football, especially Bears football. And taking my son to, to basketball games, whether it be the Bulls or whatever. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I wish I had one. I play a little tennis. I play a little tennis in the offseason, indoor tennis, uh, when I'm feeling up to it. But uh, I don't have one specific hobby. It's mostly getting caught up with my kid's life in the offseason. Well, it's probably got to be the hardest thing, uh, juggling your job with the family. I mean, it's got to be a, yeah. one of your biggest challenges in life because you it are is. always on the run. And then you're traveling 80 you know, well, more than that with the spring training. Yeah. So it's just got to be, it's yeah. got to be difficult. So, uh, but as a Cub fan, uh, we, we appreciate all that you do and, uh, just, just keep up the good work, Jess. We're looking forward to seeing you in spring training. JP will be making the pizza like always. So make sure you come and see him. <laughs> That's my guy. And, uh, yeah, we'll be out there in, uh, late February, uh, late February, early March for that weekend there. And for Joe man's return, so, yeah, that's right. March yeah. March second, uh, yeah. they play the Angels. Well, let me say something as well. What you do at Club Four Hundred is the reason I'm on this podcast. You, you think I go on with thirty minutes or plus on these shows? I I turn all these people down. 
But what you do and what you do for charity is more important than anything that I do. And that's why you can get all those players out to your place. That's why this podcast is good. So um, what you do is more important than anything we do on radio. We're, we have fun. So what you do is important. So I want to commend you guys. Well, thank you. I'm totally it, honored to do it. To it's pretty fun too here. Pretty, yeah. pretty, that is. I'm pretty lucky. I've seen that. Pretty lucky, <laughs> Jess. I'm pretty lucky. And, uh, and, and I appreciate those kind words. And I appreciate more than anything your time with us this evening. And my final question, Jess. What do you, yeah. My final question. 2020 Cubs. Uh, the, the reckoning has already started to happen. Um, Cubs, you know, Ricketts went on air on ESPN 1000 uh, a couple, maybe last week or a week or so. Kind of maybe told everybody he's not going to go crazy spending money. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what do you what do you expect from our two, two, 2020 Cubs? Yeah, I, I think you're going to see one to two stars traded. I think you, you don't be shocked if Wilson Contreras and Chris Bryant are both traded. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah, I, I think it'll be at least one. And what they're going to do is retool and get it's not going to be star for star it's going to be retool get some young pitching or position players that are major league ready or triple a or double a studs i mean studs you know guys that are no outers that are going to make it into the rotation and so 2020 it might be a little interesting in terms of the win-loss record but they get right back into contention in 2021 so, but I still think you can be excited about 20 because let's say they trade one of those guys. I know we're going to miss them, but they get a stud pitcher or two or three good players. And all of a sudden the youth on this team is, 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 um, sort of idolized a little bit. You know, they restock, um, and they get this young stud pitcher. I mean, I like advert as or Alec Mills, but we're talking about a whole nother level they can get for Chris Bryant or Wilson Contreras. And I don't want to see those guys go, but that's just the reality of it. And so 2020, you know, maybe it all comes together under Ross, but I would look more towards 2021. Jesse Rogers, ESP 1000, the best in the business. No doubt about that. Thank you so much, Jess. We are looking forward to you coming out to Club 400 down the line. And uh, like I said, you're the best and you have a great off season. Enjoy your time in Mexico. Have a few margaritas on me. Thanks for everything and have a great evening. I will build Club 400 on those margaritas. <laughs> you got it, guys. All great right, great being with you guys. Hey, thank, thank you so you. much, Jasper.